0: Let's turn to Micah 6. Turn to Micah 6. Um, We're starting at verse 6. And to give honor to the Word of the Lord, we'll stand as we read. If you're able, we'll stand and read Micah 6, 6 through 8. Hear the Word of the Lord. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to Him? with burnt offerings, with yearling calves. Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams, in ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts? The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Let's pray. Blessed Father, we ask that you would work through your Holy Word and through your Holy Spirit, that you would help us to honor you in our hearing of this, your Word, but that you would transform our lives by means of this, your blessed Word. For we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen please be seated this is a famous passage from what I understand it has been used by presidents in their speeches um, early on in the history of our country it's also um, been used by many in the church it has been a very favored beloved verse of scripture. Out of every passage in the book of Micah, none is more famous than Micah 6, 8. uh, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Earlier um, in this In this uh, book of prophecy, we'll look at chapter 1. There are uh, some things that God is saying that he is going to do in this book. He is promised that he's going to make Samaria a heap of ruins in the open country. That's chapter 1, verse 6. He promised that all of her idols would be smashed, that all of the images would be made desolate, and why is God doing this? If you go back to chapter, if you go back to um, chapter three, actually, actually four, chapter four, he says in chapter four that he is going to. Um, he's telling a little bit more about what he's going to do uh, to them in in verse ten. Like a woman in childbirth, for now you will go out of the city, dwell in the field, and go to Babylon. There you will be rescued. So he's telling them that they're going to even suffer captivity. Chapter 6, he's giving an indictment of why he's going to do all this, why he's going to take them captive, why he's going to destroy them, what's going to happen to both Jerusalem and that's the southern kingdom, and Israel, the northern kingdom. He's calling in verse 2 of chapter 6, the mountains to bear witness, along with the hills and the foundation of the earth against them, because the Lord is bringing a case against his people. Chapter 6, verse 3, and here's God's cross-examination of his people, of what is wrong with them. My people, what have I done to you and how have I wearied you? Answer me. He tells him Indeed, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and ransomed you from the house of slavery. I sent you before Moses I uh, sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. So he, he's saying here I have delivered you from captivity. I've delivered you from slavery in Egypt, I've given you those to deliver you yet you're weary of me. Why are they weary of him? Well, instead of worshipping him, they want to worship some idols. But then he promises, I'm going to smash those idols. I'm going to destroy those idols. Now, he's saying all this. He's saying that the destruction is coming. Well, what would you do if God promised that he's going to destroy your nation? He's going to besiege your nation. He's going to take you captive. Well, what can I do to get out of this? God's going to bring destruction, but what can I do to get out of this? What does God require of us, is what they ask. Maybe they're wondering, well, God might turn back and relent like he did with Nineveh. He'll turn back and relent like he did with Nineveh. Or maybe you wonder that, or whatever. Um, So then the question is, what does God require... Of us, We look at this at two main points. Man's unacceptable offerings. And secondly, what is the good that the Lord requires? Let's look at this first main point. Man's unacceptable offerings. Let's look at verse 6 again. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling or year old calves? Now you might say to yourself, what's wrong with verse 6? Didn't God command them elsewhere to go before him and bring burnt offerings? Um, one, of the, one of the passages you could find is in Leviticus. In, in Leviticus, Moses goes and tells Aaron, he says that he used to take a calf, a bull, uh, and a bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without defect, and there to make atonement both for himself and the people. So God instructed them in Leviticus that they are to bring him burnt offerings. But they're saying, well, what should I do, O Lord? Should I bring a burnt offering? But why is God not accepting it? The answer, I believe, um, is found in Isaiah 1. Let's... uh Let's turn to Isaiah 1. This is a similar situation of what Isaiah is prophesying against. And I believe the same reason why God's not going to accept their burnt offering in Isaiah is the same reason he's not accepting the burnt offering here in Micah. Um, Here, uh, Verse 10 of Isaiah 1. Now, keep in mind, he's talking to the people, his covenant people. He calls them Sodom. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What um, or your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams, and the fat of fed cattle. And I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to me, when you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and sabbath, the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure and the the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festival and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me and a weary and I am weary of bearing them. Now here's the answer. Here's why God's not accepting their offerings. Answers verse 15. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, coming before me sacrificing before me, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with bloodshed. Okay, that is a great deal of the answer. Here we are, a people who are supposed to worship God. They're bringing offerings before the Lord, yet they're committing harm. Heinous sins, including bloodshed. Well, what bloodshed did they commit? Well, God sent them the prophets. One of them, Isaiah, was they killed with the sword, or actually, some of them, Some, some uh, tradition says that they sawed them in half with a wooden blade, a wooden saw blade. Okay, um, Jesus himself rebuked the Jewish people for this, and I, I believe. Um, it's in uh, yeah I have it here it's in Luke eleven forty-seven. he rebuked actually the Hebrew lawyers saying woe to you for you build the tombs of the prophets it was your fathers who killed them so he's saying woe to you lawyers of Israel you are going about building the tombs but your fathers went and killed the prophets so if you wonder what kind of bloodshed they're talking about of why God wasn't accepting their sacrifices, one among many was that of killing even the holy men that God sent before them. They didn't like what they were preaching. They didn't like what they were saying about sin and coming judgment. So what did they do? Kill them. I don't like your preaching. I'm going to shut you up. You know. So think of a modern example. Of somebody who's guilty of bloodshed, yet they go before God and they want to worship and bow down before God, kneel before God, maybe they're going to confess sin before God, yet they're still going about committing bloodshed. One of the, probably not that funny maybe, but kind of funny, is the mafia boss. A lot of mafia bosses are sometimes Roman Catholic. Yet they'll go before the priest and they'll they'll confess their sins before a Roman Catholic priest. Father, I have sinned. But think about this. What do you think he's going to do when he leaves the, the Catholic Church after he confesses his sin? He's going to go right back at it again. And some people were like that at this time in history. They were committing sin. They were committing bloodshed. And they wanted to go and worship before the Lord but God wasn't accepting their sacrifices because their hands were guilty and it says here covered with blood now some of the Jews might have thought well God's not going to accept our ordinary sacrifices what about what if we multiplied them what if we just gave an extravagant amount amount of sacrifice look at verse 7 Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? Well, maybe you won't accept our normal sacrifices, but what if we gave you a thousand rams or a river of oil? Well, really, this is God asking the question, but maybe they're thinking this. But God says, that's not what I want either. Still yet another tactic some might have thought of, God mentions here in the second half of verse 7. Um, how about you offer something very precious to God? Verse, second half of verse 7. Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? It was in the history of Israel that some people in Israel went and sacrificed their firstborn to Molech, a pagan idol. Well, maybe they thought, well, why don't we sacrifice our firstborn to God on high, the God God of Israel? Would, Would he relent and prevent this disaster if we sacrifice our own children? Again, the answer is no, because he gives the answer of what he will accept. What is the good that the Lord requires look at verse 8 he has told you O man what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God first thing we want to notice here is that the Christian ought to pursue after justice it should be um, how would I say this It should be an affront. It should be a bother. It should even make you have a righteous anger when we have ungodly laws in this nation. If there's anything we can do about it, we should try to endeavor to see that justice is is practiced in our nation. Think about the issue of abortion. Well, what can you do about it? Well, you can vote. You can vote for things that are godly. Vote like a Christian. You can make your voice heard. You can call your representative or something of that sort. You can act. Maybe you can volunteer at a a local um, women's um, pregnancy center. You can serve. We definitely need more Christian men and women to serve in in offices. Now, I heard a pastor years ago in the 1990s when I first became a Presbyterian. This this Presbyterian Reformed pastor had told us, he said, if you take Christian men and women and you send them off to serve in the political offices, especially on the federal level, it's like sending the hens into a den of of foxes. Well, well, why don't we just give up and just leave every office in the entire nation, local, state, federal, just give it all over to the pagans and see how that's going to work. What kind of lame excuse is that? Uh, Well, I I hope maybe a Christian, after being a Reformed (coughs) Christian for the matter of 20 or 30 years, maybe 40 years, might have an ability to stay rooted in this Christian faith and still serve in some sort of public office. People get these ideas, and they hamstring those who might desire to serve because they say something crazy like that. Yeah. Well, if you had to go to Washington, D.C., I know of some decent Reformed churches in the Washington, D.C. area. And you get yourself rooted in a a Reformed church, and then you can serve in the office. We don't want to leave our nation to the rule only of pagans, do we? God calls you to love and practice kindness. God calls you to love and practice kindness. Now, I, I believe a be- the best way to explain this is that we have what they call two tables of the law. That's what some theologians used to call it. The first table of the law is what God requires as far as our, our obedience to Him. The first four commandments involve our obedience directly to God. Commandments 5 through 10 involve our, obe- our relationships with others, Primarily. Now you have to go and say that if you did commit one of the if you did transgress one of the commandments five through ten, you're still sinning against God and your neighbor. But think of it that way. So the way to love and practice kindness, there's probably no better way than trying to find your best way possible in keeping commandments five through ten regarding your neighbors. If you love kindness, especially young people, kids, you will honor and love your parents. You will seek to obey your parents with cheerfulness rather than with a begrudging, complaining spirit. And the same thing goes with others in authority. The fifth commandment also concerns others who are in authority over us. Teachers, government officials, police, uh, our bosses at work, We are keeping the fifth commandment when we honor those who are over us. And we're to do so keeping that fifth commandment in mind with love and kindness. If you are to practice love and kindness, you're not to seek to take the life of your neighbor. In fact, you're supposed to seek to protect their life or to promote their health and well-being in any way possible you are to flee the sin of hatred. Because that's another way that we take the life of another, according to the Lord Jesus Christ. We murder a man or a woman in our heart when we hate them without cause. If you love and practice kindness, you will try to be faithful to your spouse. If you love and practice kindness, you will not take your neighbor's stuff. If you love and practice kindness, you will not lie to your neighbor. If you love and practice kindness... You will be thankful for what your neighbor has. You won't envy your neighbor. You will be thankful to God and you will rejoice with them in what God has given them rather than coveting what they have. God also here in this text calls you to walk humbly before your God. Now, what does that look like? Now, did God command animal sacrifices? Did he say that he didn't want these animal sacrifices at all any longer at this time in history, I believe God did, but God wanted them to come and worship with a humble heart rather than with pride and sin and wickedness He want He wants us as well. In this modern era, when we no longer have animal sacrifices, He wants us to walk humbly before our God as well. How do we do that? We walk humbly before God in how we talk, in how we we act, how we think, how we treat others, and how we come before God in worship. I want us to turn to Psalm, and keep your place in Micah, but Turn to Psalm 51. I won't read the whole Psalm, but we start at verse 5. Two things that go hand in hand is a humble heart and a contrite heart. So Psalm 51, starting at verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin my mother conceived me. Uh, that's a good verse that talks about uh, original sin. You know, we're, we're born into original sin, into a uh, wicked nature. Behold, you desire truth in the inmost being. And in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. What better way to come before the Lord in worship, in private devotions, in public public worship, private devotions, in everything you do, but remember, rather than the sacrifice, what does God want from us? A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Now, I didn't read this earlier. And I, I, I don't think I've ever done this, of going back to a, a, a verse of Scripture cited prior. But I do want us to turn back to Isaiah 1 again. Um, Isaiah 1 again. You remember in Isaiah 1, he go in 10 and following, he's telling them why he's not going to accept their burnt offerings. Why is he not going to ex- accept their sacrifices? Because of bloody hands and wickedness. But look at the conclusion here of what Isaiah has to say, or the, the Holy Spirit says through Isaiah verses uh, 16 and 17 Wash yourselves make yourselves clean remove the evil of your deeds from my sight cease cease to do evil learn to do good seek justice reprove the ruthless defend the orphan plead for the widow it's a very beautiful and very parallel passage to what is commanded there in Micah 6:8. Very close. But also we have what Isaiah says of how we have to be made right with God through what the gospel according to Isaiah. Verses 18 and following. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, in other words, humble yourself to consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is one other commonality between Micah and Isaiah. Isaiah foretold of the virgin who would give forth a son. Micah foretold of the one who would be born the ruler out of Bethlehem. Both prophets foretold the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And ultimately, it's only through him that God accepts our worship. It's actually, it's only his perfect holy sacrifice that is acceptable before God. Um, I do want to mention one last thing before closing. Uh, Look in the back of your hymnals to the Westminster Confession of Faith. This is chapter 8. Chapter 8 of Christ the Mediator. This is page 925. What happened to the saints of old? The saints of old who looked forward to Christ. This is chapter 8, verse. Uh, this is uh, section 6. Although, although the work of redemption was not actually wrought by Christ till after his incarnation, yet the virtue, efficacy, and benefits thereof were communicated unto the elect in all ages successfully from the beginning of the world in and by those promises, types, and sacrifices wherein he was revealed and signified to be the seed of the woman which should bruise the serpent's head and the lamb slain from the beginning of the world being yesterday and today the same and forever so those Old Testament saints who sacrificed before the Lord having faith looking unto Him with a humble heart they were accepted because they made their sacrifices which were pointing to Jesus yet to come we look back they looked in faith to Him yet to come we look in faith back upon Him who has already come but they were both looking unto the same Deliverer, even the pre-incarnate Son of God who became flesh for us. Let's pray together. Our glorious Lord, we, we pray that you would help us. Help us to remember what it is, that good, that you require of us. We pray that you would help us to do justice. Help us to love kindness, and help us to walk humbly before you, O God. Help us, we pray, to receive and believe in Jesus Christ as that ultimate sacrifice that you have given for us, that we can stand in your sight. Thank you for this, your holy word. We pray that you would help us to remember and act upon these things that you've revealed unto us. For we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, uh, it is 549, uh, 549, Oh Gracious Lord, Denise will have to play through that once for us in practice. And then after she, uh, well, we can stand and sing right now.